Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. going on everybody we're back in here for another episode of believe in kentucky alongside the qb1 we got Jalen whitlow back from vacation rejuvenated refreshed recharged ready for the season from the cat's paws aaron gershon is back man how you doing ag good man it was a great trip but uh happy to get back because uh man everything started started coming together the day i uh started to come home here so uh Lots going on, but uh, it was a great trip, man. It was a, it was good to take a little bit of a break and uh, get welcomed back with plenty of work to do here. <laughs> That's it. We tried to hold it down for you last week. Me and Jalen did our thing. And- I tried, man. I'm not quite Aaron Gershon, <laughs> man. But- <laughs> I'm, I tried. Y'all don't need me. Y'all are great. It was fun, man. It was fun. Glad you're back, man. I thought, yeah, I was like, man, we gonna- I thought you're gonna be back next week. I was like, man, he's. Cause uh, what was the tweet you said? None last Thursday. He was like, "None for me for another no, week or something." No, I was like, I oh, we got. <laughs> well, good stuff, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Glad you're back and appreciate. You know, got like you said in the little chat group. Got some stuff to talk about. More stuff than maybe we thought. And I guess the the big headline. I guess we got to start with Antonio Reeves coming back to the basketball team because a lot of people was worried and. And now we we starting to see some pieces kind of fall in place, fellas. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, absolutely massive. I mean, they have, no experience was really going to be on this roster next year. You know, I don't remember the exact minutes, but it was something in the ballpark of the low 100s. You know, the combined minutes that Ogana and uh, Adu were going to bring back, and that was going to be your returning talent. So to get a guy who is the you know defending six man of the year in the sec and then obviously became a starter that last month of the year uh led the team in scoring was by far the team's best outside shooter um had one really good and actually two i'd say good postseason games you know the vandy game and the sec tournament and then obviously he was outstanding against uh providence before he kind of you know had a rough one against k-state but uh to get that type of experience back, you know, guys played four years of college basketball and then obviously uh, proved he could succeed at a place like Kentucky last year um, with this young team. Uh, I mean, massive, just massive. Does it completely fix all the things we've kind of talked about um, throughout the summer? No, because, you, you know, you're probably still lacking some experience in the front court. And then who the hell knows what's going on with Aaron Bradshaw? Uh, in that injury, if he's really going to miss time or not, if he's hurt or not, I don't even want to dig too far into that uh, until we kind of have more like a direct word from him or a direct word from UK. So uh, I'll let that one go for now. But I still think, you know, you know, we'll get into what happened at West Virginia a little bit here. But if you could tap into one of their, you know, Jesse Edwards, Trey Mitchell types and uh, uh, though I haven't really looked much at Miss Mitchell, but I know Trey uh Jesse Edwards is one of the better big men in the ACC last year. Um, you know, that'd be huge for this team. I still think they could use, yeah, Mitchell is a 6'9 forward. So something like that I still think would be very beneficial. But um, uh, you got to love getting Reeves back. I think it's absolutely huge. Yeah, I, you know, anytime you can get guys back who've, who've played valuable minutes, I mean, you can't can't put a value on that, you know. Uh so that you know that that was that was good to hear. You know, it was a lot of uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty in, in in you know the super diehard Kentucky basketball fans, you know, in their in their mind. But uh, you know, that's good, man. You know, but like I said, at the end of the day, I think you know if you look at it from you know on the flip side, you know, I know it's easy to say okay, they're lacking talent or they're lacking experience or they're lacking this and that. They had a lot of guys leave or whatever. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, if you're Calipari, you got a motivated team. Everybody's going to be doubting you now. You know, SEC is getting tougher. They're going to say Kentucky's talent is slipping a little bit. Everybody's starting to doubt you. So it's fun to coach motivated guys, you know, because you know you can get them to do what, you know, sometimes some of those four or five stars maybe not, maybe don't want to do. Uh, so 
you know, the dirty work, the gritty stuff, you know, the, the, you know, the get in the mud a little bit. So that'll be good. So I do think you'll see an uptick in more ferocity on defense, especially because uh, it's just, I mean, you motivate people, you just get, you get more out of them, you know, and they're going to be motivated to, to prove that they are talented enough to compete at a high level, you know, as, you know, the 2012 or 2014 or one of those teams that, uh, you know, the two platoon team or whatever that what year that was. Uh, 2015. 2015. 2015. Yep. 2015. Uh, so they want to do that. So, like I said, you got a lot of guys that's going to be motivated to play at a high level um, because they're being doubted in the media. They're being doubted by some of their own fans. So I think if you're Calipari, you can kind of play some psychology a little bit and kind of flip it and like, hey, this is what they're saying about you, but this is what we know we have in this locker room. You know, so that's kind of a coach's dream sometimes, to be honest with you, is to get guys, uh, you know, get some get guys, you know, some extra motivation because outsiders are doubting. So I'm anxious to kind of see what happens, what take place. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so you get Reeves back, uh, Joey Hart, Jordan Burks. So three additions for these past few days. Uh, as the roster tries to fill out, so uh, blown. The, you know those guys aren't experienced either, as far as Burks and Hart. Right. But <laughs> their their bodies, their, their, their bodies practice. Uh, you know, maybe long term, if they stay, you can get some. You know, uh, more maybe contributions. Burks was you know committed to Ole Miss, so he's probably gonna try to factor in. Hart maybe more yeah. of a long term. I'm sorry, yeah, Hart maybe more of a long term yeah, exactly. deal. But you know, look at a few weeks ago, everybody was panicking about seven players, seven players, seven players. And we said, I said on here, look, but Cal might be sweating or Cal might be cool and and not worried. We're gonna know soon enough. Us worried about it wasn't gonna change anything, right? <laughs> you know, so it's like you said, Aaron. It's filling out. It's Every I isn't dotted, every T isn't crossed, but it's right. it's a lot better this past few days than it was, you know, this time last week. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, I, this fan base needed good news. <laughs> I mean, I think for I just think uh, there was a, look, it was a rough start to the. Uh, there's no doubt that this off season hasn't gone as anyone kind of would have expected. I mean, I didn't, you know, I heard that they weren't going to be like Mister Portal this off season, maybe like Florida's bad or Georgia's bad. Um, LSU, even, you know, some of the other teams in the SEC that have gone that route or even what West Virginia was doing through the portal, you know, before the, the stuff with Coach Huggins. But uh, I, I would never have thought it would be zero. So I could see why fans were getting frustrated. And then, you know, you kind of you knew Oscar was probably going to go. I mean, it obviously got a little interesting there. You know, the fact that he didn't straight up declare right away and there were some rumblings and the NIL stuff, you know, all that. But I, I, that was kind of expected all along. Uh, but look, when guys like Lance Ware, when you don't expect it, hit the portal and CJ Frederick, guys who, you know, you know, they're not going to be NBA guys, um, but they hit the portal and it's like, oh, you know, why do they want to go elsewhere? Uh, I could see why fans get frustrated and ask questions about maybe the culture or what's going on. But, you know, to if they can finish off, you know, with well, it looks like they obviously they had the two more freshmen. I think, like you said, Vinny, I think Burks will factor in a little bit this year. Uh I see a lot of Bryce Hopkins in him. Uh, maybe he can be more of a volume shooter, and that's not to say he's gonna he's gonna transfer out and be better somewhere else. I'm not. That's not what I'm going. At. I'm talking more just the the size, the not a top prospect type. I, I think there's some similarities there. Maybe I'm off, but good rebounder. You know, I see some some similarities. I haven't watched too much tape yet, but that that was kind of my quick like ten minute comp, if you will. So. Um, I think he'll factor in. I think Joey Hart will probably be, you know, if he could be, look, if he comes into a game and he shoots the lights out of the basket, you know, he's going to get a shot. But I think that's more of a long-term piece. But, yeah, look, they added two bodies, obviously, freshman-wise. Uh, they get their top score back from last year. I mean, that I think that's a good 10 days uh, that Kentucky and John Calipari have stacked. And uh, they got to keep going, though. I still think one more, one, one or two more, whether, you know, if you even if you do get the the Krill kid, Samoto Krill, 
uh, the seven foot, you know, reclass guy. Uh, I still just think you need a veteran presence in that front court. Cause again, we'll see what happens. Even if you have Bradshaw healthy, he's not a veteran. Um, Ugana is, is I would put him, he's like a redshirt freshman because he didn't play much SEC ball at all. I think in the SEC, he might have got 20 minutes combined. So, um, there, you know, they, I still think a, a veteran piece is needed in that front court somehow, some way. But, uh, again, a much better 10 days. And Cal initiated the La Familia Club Collective. So, are we changing? the stance on yeah. NIL or, or modifying the way they're approaching it going forward, which, you know, maybe will uh, cause a little less headache going forward when you go to fill a roster after you have guys depart at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think there was something going on when, you know, there was a lot, when there's smoke, there's usually some fire there and, Clearly, there was an NAL miss of some sort. You know, we saw it on the football side. And then, you know, the collective, the 15 club is kind of taking care of that. And maybe basketball, you know, I think the team did pretty well last year. I know Oscar Sheboy did really well, but maybe, you know, it wasn't spread out as much as it should have been or as much as it needed to. And look, I don't think anyone, you know, these coaches want to pay for players. They're not. You know, I saw that quote uh, quote from uh, Mike Loxley over at Maryland that I found. I don't, I don't have it pulled up right now, but it was along the lines of how, you know, Maryland just had a new facility built, a beautiful facility, and he's frustrated because it's like it's meaningless now because he's like, you know, kids will, for $250,000, guys will go change in a garbage can. Like, they don't care about that anymore. <laughs> so I think, you know, I really think it's interesting that Cal did that. And he's kind of, we haven't heard anything about, oh, facilities, facilities, facilities. Because I think Coach Loxley hit it on the head. I don't think players care much about that anymore. I think, you know, obviously the facilities, you want them to be up to date. And you want it to, you know, be a place that, you know, grooms success. You know, I think football uh, at Kentucky, they've had a lot of success with their facility. Even baseball with how state-of-the-art that thing is. But now it's NIL that kids care about. It's always evolving. You know, three years ago, four years ago, it probably was those facilities. You know, 2023, it's the NIL. So uh, I think that was a good step to kind of get that done kind of quietly uh, and kind of shut the mouth about the facilities a little bit. So see you shaking your head, Jalen. Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, I, I mean, you can see it's coming from all the way, man. You know, at the end of the day, these kids and their parents and people around them, you know, when they go – take these visits or they talking to these coaches, man, they may answer a few other questions to make it seem like they don't care about the money first, you know, right off the bat. Mm. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're, you know, they're like, what's the budget? You know, what, what, right. what is it? I mean, that that's just what it's come to. So we can splice it however we want to splice it. But at the end of the day, it's pay for play now, yes. uh, you know, and that's just what it is. That's the, that's just what it is. You know, you can't really, there's no way around that. People are paying for players. Uh, the best players go to the highest bidders. That's just what it is. So, um, you know, if you don't have a collective, uh, you know, you just, I mean, you're gonna face the <laughs> you face the consequences. I mean, the teams with the lowest the lowest bag or teams with the less bag or the smallest bag are gonna be at the bottom of the standings. It's just what it is now. You know, I hate it, to be honest with you. I don't like it at all. Uh, no. I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of a lot of things in this new, you know, space. But at the end of the day, who, you know, what you're going to do about it. So it is what it is now. But um, it's just it's just the reality. Right. You got to pay these guys and not even just paying them. You can't just pay them 20 grand. You got to pay these guys hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some of them. Uh and football on the football side, you're seeing guys get, you know, eight million dollars guaranteed to them before they even step foot on campus or lace up your cleats, you know. So that's just where we are now, man. Um, I tell you this though, you know, if I if I'm a, a you know a, a, a girls basketball player, if I'm a if I'm a, a boys basketball player, uh, football is a little bit different because you got so many guys on the team, but. I'm I'm in no rush to uh to take that leap out of out of college. No no rush. Some of these guys now, and some of the girls you're gonna make more in college than you do. Like LSU basketball girls. Yeah. Oh. I mean, they might as well just 
you know, that's they're in the pros now. They're, they, I mean, they, they, no responsibilities, getting a lot of money through NIL, partying it up in Baton Rouge, going to class from time to time. So they, you know, they, they balling right now. So they don't, they don't have their sights set on the WNBA because the WNBA can't pay them what uh, the collective down in Baton Rouge is paying them. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's just, it's a very upside down world we live in, uh, but that's just the reality. Angel Reese and Van Lith together. Uh, that's gonna be the swaggy squad for for okay. defending that defending that championship they just won. Aaron, you mentioned Huggins a couple times, and and we yeah. we didn't talk about it a couple weeks ago when he when he got on the radio and and, and saying what he was saying about Xavier that got him on thin ice and. He got the three game suspension and salary reduction and that whole, yeah. you know, little slap on the wrist stuff. And yeah. now here we go over the weekend, a, a, a DUI in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, you know, basically that ended his time in West Virginia at that moment. Uh, right. And he was, he was blowed out, basically. I mean, not not driving and weaving, but just parking and blocking traffic. That's when you know you're gone. When you when the car just you just sitting there and you, right. you ain't even moving. That's hey, you gone. Yeah, didn't know where he was and all that. Yeah, awful crap there. Yeah, yeah. It's look, it's extremely serious, obviously, and uh, it look. I don't want to get into what happened earlier. You know, I thought he got away with something horrible, obviously with just the three game suspension, the pay decrease, whatever. I thought that wasn't enough, especially in a, in a time where uh, we should be more sensitive to stuff like that. But uh, I I am okay with second chances and I was willing to give it there. But, you know, when you have an off season like that, uh, you know, consequences are going to happen. And even for a guy who I, I still think at the end of the day is probably a really good person. And I saw all the tributes from former players and, you know, that, you know, gave me some sauce that, you know, he's a guy probably worth forgiving it at the end of the day, but look, a job like that is, a, you know, it's a, especially when you're there for so long, it's a privilege, man. And uh, it's a job that a lot of people kill for. And, you know, he had it for a long time and, clearly he was no longer fit to have it. So it was taken away. And, you know, and now just how college basketball and how college sports are now, there's going to be a huge ripple effect. Uh, The rumors out there that Andy Kennedy, who's obviously the coach at Ole Miss, um, and he is currently at UAB, might be the guy. You know, I've heard a lot of good things about him. I know he's, you know, he took UAB to the tournament, not this year, but last year. They were the NIT runner-up this year. So, um you know, maybe he'll be able to keep the roster intact. I know that uh, oh, the name's slipping me, but the Celtics head coach is an alum there, and him oh, and uh, Joe Missoula. Joe Missoula, yeah, him and uh, the Cavs GM are both WV alums and played it for. I believe they played for Huggy, and um, they've kind of been you know having meetings with the team trying to keep it together. So I honestly look. I hope they stay together. I think that would be a really good thing for college sports to kind of keep that commitment to the school. And I understand a lot of guys commit to coaches. I think that's respectable too, of course, but it would, I think it would be a pretty cool thing if they are able to rally and keep that roster together and kind of overcome the adversity uh, as a team. Um, but if they don't, there's going to be a ripple effect and the two guys that they got out of the portal, you know, they get Jesse Edwards, the big from uh, Syracuse who had an outstanding year up there last year, they got the kid from Arizona sharpshooter. So yeah, those kids have the ability with the the way the rules work that um he can he can, they can hop back in the portal and you know obviously Kentucky fans are circling Edwards and Trey Mitchell who's already been at WVU because Kentucky needs front court help but uh you know it's a it's a terrible situation it's a crappy way to end a Hall of Fame career but you know there's got to be consequences and I think uh, WVU and you know they probably I don't know if he deserved to be fired last time I thought three games was ridiculous I thought at least 10 15 but uh a season but you know this one uh you know he's lucky he's not dead or someone else isn't mm-hmm. yep. and <clears throat> the fact too that in 2004, he had the same thing that basically mm-hmm. ended his time in Cincinnati, and I forgot that he had a he had a you know, I forgot that too. Same thing. So 20 years later, we we haven't learned anything from what 
cause us to not be the coach of the Bearcats when we get behind the wheel in the state that we're in. And, you know, now we got Uber and, you know, you can just, he, he rich no to, he, he's rich right. enough to have a chauffeur or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. if you, you, you know, you, you know, Morgantown is not far from Pittsburgh. I get it. But you thought you were in Ohio. And I know Pittsburgh's not far from Cleveland, but it's not in Ohio. You know where you are if you're driving a car. I thought you were in <laughs> Ohio and uh. you're in Pennsylvania. And Jalen, you play for a lot of coaches and you you hear it. And coaches are not perfect. They're human too. Nobody is perfect. But you you guys are expected to be accountable. These coaches are leaders of men. You all have to, you know, do hold up your end of the bargain. And then sometimes a lot of these coaches aren't. And, you know, here in this case, you know, Huggins, not saying he's not a good guy. We saw the tributes. We're not talking about the tributes right now because we're talking about what just happened. Not saying that the good stuff didn't happen because we know it did. But you plan for a guy to, you know, did you guys see through some hypocrisy? You know, Bobby Knight, like you said, the dude would show out and act a fool and throw chairs and do this and that, choke the kid, but he wanted his players to be accountable. So do you see through that? Yeah. Is it just, you know, uh, he just he's just talking and, you know, the, the do as I say, not as I do stuff from a coach. Is yeah. it harder to play for a guy that's like that? Not every coach is like that, but some of them are. Yeah. It, it definitely, I mean, players see right through it, uh, you know, and I, I tell our players all the time, you know, for me, you know, I, it, there's a lot of pressure on a coach to, cause people are people, man. People make mistakes. It's going to happen. Um, you know, but you can't make two mistakes like he made in such a short amount of time. Uh, yeah. and leadership is one thing, Like right? I always teach our kids or our players that, you know, a lot of people are leaders by position. So like a head coach is a leader by position, but obviously Huggins hadn't been showing good leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Leadership is a continuous action in my opinion. Um, You know, so he hadn't been showing good leadership and that, and that's the thing. Right. And I tell guys all lead the way you are. Right. You know, cause guys can, people can see right through the fake stuff. So however you are, make sure you lead that way. Um, and Bob Huggins, I'm not sure what was going on, you know, in the doors at West Virginia, but, you know, he he should have been showing leadership in a way to where he's kind of teaching through his mistakes. And that helps you stay accountable when you do that. And maybe he was, maybe he just, I don't know, made, you know, thought it was okay. I don't know what happened, you know, but I mean, I don't know what happened, but I don't know what led to it, but, uh, but to answer your question, yes, players see right through the fake stuff, man. That you know, if you're doing one thing and trying to say another, or you're saying one thing and doing another, you know, they, it, especially nowadays, it's not going to fly. A lot of the old, when I got into coaching, a lot of the old coaches used to tell me that the days of uh, do as I say just because are over. Now these kids are, they want to know why. They ask you why. Okay, why are we doing it this way? which is not a bad thing, you know, which is actually a good thing. So it makes you be on all, you know, makes you be on your square as a coach to make sure you, okay, if we're doing something, we're doing something to train for that sport or leadership or character development, they're going to ask you, why are we doing this? What's the purpose of it? And you got to have a good, well thought out answer for it, or they're going to call BS. Uh, So nowadays, you know, it's one of those things. And also everything's black. If, If this was, you know, 98, he, he'll still be the coach there. I mean, yeah. you know, for the stuff he said, you know, 10 years ago, that it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Um, you know, so now we live in a world where everybody's hypersensitive to every little mistake a person makes and, it, and social media gets blasted out and, you know, and that's just the world we live in. So, uh, you know, you definitely got to be, try to be accountable to your players. Like I said, but humans make mistakes, man. So, uh, it's just not. It's about not repeating those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, like you said, it's you know these these guys, you know, the portals closed and all that. But these guys got thirty days to grace period to kind of make a decision. Since there's right. a change at the coaching position, and 
you know, more stuff. It is what it is. Could fall in Kentucky's lap if, you know, or Kentucky could be on the phone with some guys, you know, like you said, Aaron, to yeah, it's reality. show up the post, show up the big men, you know. Yeah, and that look, that'd be <laughs> that'd be a huge win for Kentucky. But again, I I do think you know taking the bias out of it, I think it would be a really powerful thing just for college sports in the state of where we're at today with this portal thing. If those guys kind of band together and stick it out and uh, you know try to make things work, I mean they all picked West Virginia. You know, maybe a lot of it was Coach Huggins, but they saw something there, uh, and maybe you know maybe they, they'll stick with it. So. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Um, on the football side, we saw a lot of commitments coming in. Um, just had one today. You know, it's, it's been several coming in. I, I want to go to the office of lineman from the other day, Aaron, because he's yeah. from your neck of the woods, <laughs> man. Jordan LaFontaine, uh, from Connecticut, and. Where is he from compared to where you're from? And same thing. Well, I don't know if he lives in Greenwich because Brunswick is a prep school. Um, okay. that, but Brunswick is literally about 10 minutes from my, the house I grew up in. So, yeah. literally the same town, you know. My uh cousin, who is actually from New Jersey, you know, like I said, it's a prep school, so he played hockey at Brunswick. Uh, he was their goalie for four years, so. Uh, Brunswick is a school. Uh, I used to go, you know, do baseball workouts and stuff there. So I know Brunswick really well. So it's kind of funny to see that. But uh, yeah. yeah, that was that one was wild. That's cool. Oh, and so, and you know, everybody knows the connection to the Northeast with Liam Cohen, yeah. Brad White, Coach Woodward, all those guys. You know, you know, Massachusetts, Delaware, Northeast up there. Tell us, Aaron, about you know, you think. You think Texas, you think Friday Night Lights, high school football, you know, some areas you just think mm-hmm. about other country, you think about that certain sport. So in the Northeast, historically through the years from Basketball. when you were a kid in Connecticut, it's Connecticut high school sports. It's, it's more, is it a basketball state? Is it baseball? Is it football? What, what high school, what's everybody rocking with the most? in connecticut when it's high school sports season what's the favorite sport so i'd say from a like a fan support i from a fan support statement still football i think i, I think <laughs> i think that might be universal at this point basketball too i mean indiana you know we go to yeah go gym there and even here in kentucky mm-hmm. uh, basketball but i think these are the two states that are kind of unique for that uh so i'd say from a fan support it's still football basketball gets good crowds too but then you know it, it drops off after that um, as far as talent goes, though, I still think baseball is probably king. I mean, I could go through all the great players from Connecticut and, you know, players that I played against and watched, you know, when I was there. Um, there are a lot of them. So uh, I, I think baseball, probably from a talent perspective, is um, is probably the best. But football, they've produced a lot of quarterbacks the last couple of years. I mean, we all know one of them is Will Levis uh, coming from northern Connecticut. Drew Pine, who I believe he hit the portal, but he was starting games at Notre Dame this past year, uh, was actually the quarterback from our, the rival high school that uh, my high school, Greenwich, Connecticut, Greenwich High, uh, played against New Canaan. So Drew Pine, uh, I think he might have transferred to Arizona State. I'll check on that. But he definitely uh, hit the portal and is out of Notre Dame after, yeah, Arizona State. So, um, and he was a big four-star guy coming out of high school that w- had a lot of offers. So, um, you know, there are definitely some football players that come out of Connecticut and uh, some respectable ones at that. And uh, I know that actually, funny enough, I, I used to coach youth basketball uh, before, you know, I moved down here. And one of the kids I coached against uh, for years, who was always way bigger than everyone else, a way better athlete than everyone else, Miles Walker actually took a, a an official to Kentucky uh, during the 2023, you know, recruiting cycle. And he, uh, I think he committed to Ohio State and he would be starting, you know, starting to go there and play there uh, starting this season. So, uh, yeah, Brunswick, the school that this kid is from, is a powerhouse for sports. You know, it's not it's not IMG Academy. It's not, you know, Hillcrest or, you know, some of the ones you you know, the names here, Cannon, whatever. But uh, it's a great, great athletics program. Like I said, my cousin played hockey there and he was recruited to do so. So, you know, they go out and get the best athletes and uh, send a lot of them to college and, you know, some to the pros. So uh, it's, it was pretty cool seeing a kid from my neck of the woods uh, is going to be here starting next fall. 
And then what two today? Jaquavis Walker and Tavani Mizell both uh made their commitments today as well. So two more Yassis too. Yeah. The, the, the clearly uh you know the visit obviously June, early June is a huge time for you know those camps and visits. And uh I don't remember this happening last summer where they just kind of poured in. So I think you know, for the offensive guys, you know, there's a Liam McCohen effect there. Uh, but really, really big to get a running back early right i mean it kind of came down you know you have some vet this year you know uh, ray davis is one year guy uh mclean's a senior ramon jefferson's in his last year so you know you're going to lose a lot out of that room and you need bodies and i think you know they were able to kind of salvage that by getting wilcox you know they still wanted i think you know trey cornist and he ends up going to tulane and they tried to get uh, that uh, I think it was Khalifa Keith who ended up at uh, Virginia instead, kid from Alabama. So, or uh, he ended up at Tennessee. So, you know, they were able to kind of salvage it and get Wilcox. But now, you know, already getting a 24 back, I think is huge. And then obviously, you know, a highly coveted athlete who looks like he's going to be a DB at the college level. He can't have enough DBs, can't have enough offensive linemen. So they already hit those two areas of need. And I also think, you know, starting the class with a big time quarterback uh, helps too. And he's going to go, and he said it as much that, he was going to be going out and recruiting and uh, you know, he's getting, they're doing a great job. I mean, eight commits on June 21st is pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. What's that you, Jay? Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, it's when you, when you get a quarterback, the caliber that they, they were able to grab, when you have an office coordinator who, uh, you know, who has coached, uh, you know, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks and played and coached right. NFL and all that good stuff. You're gonna get you're gonna get talent, and you know when they see when those high school kids see that commit from the quarterback, it's it's you know everything else is it just rolls after that. Um, so, and side note, you know, kind of to that point, I think his name is Dylan Riola, uh, the number one quarterback in the country, yeah. to Georgia, just announced he's from Arizona. He's moving to about 20 minutes from where I live to play for Buford High School, which is probably the top top 10 high school in the country. Um, and I'm willing to bet that because Buford High School has a kid, no more safety in the country, K.J. Boulder, or one of the top safeties in the country. And I'm willing to bet that that kid now is going to commit to Georgia because Dylan Raiola is now recruiting him at his mm-hmm. own. I mean, he's at the school with him. So that's just how that thing goes. Um, the quarterbacks kind of spark it, man. It's the, it's the, uh, the most coveted position in all the sports. So, uh, you know, everything behind it, you know, it's it, it, the same. It, it rolls. So if you can land a top quarterback, you've got a top coordinator, uh, you got the momentum that they have going uh, with the facilities, the updates to the indoor facility, you know, everything that Kentucky has going, you know, and it's a great place to live. It's a great place to be. So, uh, you know, they'll they'll do well. I know we had, we had Ashley Lowry on here few episodes back, Jalen, I asked y'all about it, the whole cat and mouse with the quarterback and the safety. But yeah. as a quarterback, do you just practice looking guys off? With How do you, I mean, you can only get that really in a game or how do you know it's working? It's like, you know, you can go to the, you can go to the basketball court and practice moves and, you know, you might be thinking your moves working, but you know, you be playing a 40 year old man. It's like, Oh, of course it might work against him. Cause you younger and quicker, but you play somebody your age and, or they, you know, they clamping you down. How do you work on looking guys off? Do you do it in practice? Is it just something you get in games? How do you really know when you're good at it and can, you know, cause they know you're looking them off and if they oh. don't bite, well then maybe they can force you into a throw that, you know, they want you to make, and vice versa. So how do you how do you know when you're good at looking to do it off and how do you get you know constant reps at, at that kind of thing, that craft? Yeah, so you know, sometimes look offs are naturally built into the concepts. Um sometimes it's deliberate and taught on certain plays to or if we get this look, look off. If we don't get this look, you don't have to necessarily look off. So sometimes it's that way. Uh, sometimes quarterbacks just do it instinctively when they want to go to a certain spot. So it could be a couple of different things. And I learned, to be honest with you, I learned a lot about and you know looking off from uh, 
on certain concepts from I obviously knew about it, playing the position and being coached by Randy Sanders and you know, those type of guys. Uh and Greg Stevens, the coach I had at Eastern Illinois, who's a fantastic officer coordinator. But uh, uh I learned a lot from Liam Cohen, believe it or not. So I was watching a few of his interviews and he was talking about um, you know, because you think looking off, you think naturally think looking off for safety, right? And he was talking about how he teach those guys to look off underneath defenders. So we've gotten into that a little bit uh, with our quarterbacks too, you know, and, and it's a process to get high school kids to get good at that stuff. But uh, we've gotten into some of that. So, yeah. So one thing about it is the good safeties, though, if you're looking off with just your head, a lot of them don't buy that because they know if your shoulders are here, but your head is here, you're not throwing that ball over here. If your shoulders are lined up and your hip is lined up here, and you're looking here, they have to respect it, right? They have to, unless you got Patrick Mahomes throwing, you know, 20 yard darts, <laughs> uh, you know, no look, but and there's no way to defend that. But, you know, if you, if you're just looking off and your shoulders are here, but your head is here, the experienced safeties and experienced defenders aren't really going to buy it as much. It may hold them for a little bit, but they're not going to sell out and go this way. You have to have your head and shoulders. So one thing I tell our DBs on our team, you know, just to give them a perspective from the quarterback, like, hey, don't buy this, man. This is they're not throwing the ball over there. High school kids ain't making that throw, right? If their <laughs> shoulders are over there and their eyes are over there, that's when you can start to move over. Um, because that's just the, you know, the reality of it, right? And the same thing with the shoulder tilt, right? If his shoulders are level, then expect that you should cut and go make that play right now. If his shoulders are tilted up then naturally the ball is going to be thrown higher. Now you need to break more vertical to go make that play if you're playing DB. So there's a lot of little, you know, little kind of tricks to the trade and a lot of details from it. But yes, you know, looking off is a thing that, you know, we've been here since we were kids. Don't stare them down, right? Don't stare the receiver down, right? And that's that's real, right? But you also have some concepts where if it's man coverage, if it's man coverage, it really don't matter, right? Especially on most routes because – if it's man coverage, the, the defenders' backs, their backs are turned. They're looking at the receivers. Zone coverage, you got all eyes on you at quarterback. So the defense is really going to move and shift to where you're looking. So, uh, you know, that's the thing, man. So, yeah, it, you know, it was always, uh, it was always, you know, a cat and mouse game, especially with some of those guys in the SEC that we played against because a lot of them are playing on Sundays or did play on Sundays. So, uh, yeah, it was always uh, important to use your eyes. Another day, I saw, I don't know if it's due for LSU or what, but he, it was a right fielder in the World Series, and he made the Mahomes throw and threw back to first base and doubled the guy off. It looked like he was going to throw to second, and then he just kind of did the, and nailed him at first base, and, and dude was trying to scramble back and, and, and couldn't make it back to the bag. Uh, speaking of college World Series, Tennessee no. is out, LSU did them the way they did us. So I'm just Tennessee is out. That's I'm cool. And they're beating Wake Forest, which has not lost yet at all. And they right. have to lose twice. And, and they are they are something else. To have not made it there since the fifties, it looks like they're Yeah, Wake is monsters. They're monsters, that team. Yeah. LSU is up, which if I mean if LSU LSU's gotta win. Or else right. they go home because uh, Wake Forest came back and beat them the other day. So this is potential revenge game for LSU. Uh, and then I don't know if they will play again tomorrow. Yeah. Same too. I guess it would be to the win against Florida, right? Yeah, Florida is in the finals, and uh, they were kind of the team I predicted to win it all before the year. So I'm mm. bragging a little bit that I got that one right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Florida has been. They're loaded, man. I mean, Langford's going to be a top five pick. They have Castiglione, who's a two-way player and sick hitter, sick pitcher. I mean, uh, that team is – they have some bullpen deficiencies but overall, man. It would be – I'm hoping, you know, obviously what Wake's done is great, but LSU is one of the most talented college baseball teams I've ever seen, and I want to see Schemes picked one more time in college, and I think it would be really fun to get a an LSU-Florida final, get the SEC, you know, one more big – big win over the rest of the country before uh before we head into the 23 24 athletic year absolutely absolutely and lsu man it's sc baseball is every bit as 
loaded and tough and as as SEC football. And this is LSU expects to be here. I mean, they've won the title six times, been to the College World Series uh, a blue million times. So they're they're expected to be here. This team, like you know, Skings and Crews, like you said, are gonna be high draft picks and that lineup is yeah. insane. And I, I, that's why I, I, you know, when uh, Kentucky, you know, won their regional, I was kind of, you know, saying, hey, embrace it. Because this LSU team you're running into is, uh, man, they're really, really good. And uh, obviously Kentucky struggled down there a little bit. But, you know, like you said, Cruz and Schemes, it starts with them. But, I mean, Tommy White has hit, like, I don't know. He has over 100 RBIs at this point, probably. Uh, he's a monster. Trey Morgan, the first baseman, is a monster. He's been there forever. I mean, they had a dude on the bench. I forget his name. But he he came off the bench in that game that LSU was winning like 14 nothing against Kentucky. He had 14 home runs on the year. Kentucky doesn't have a dude on their team with 14. And that's one of the last guys off their bench. Like, it, it's, uh, it's just insane what they got down. Unbelievable. And tomorrow it snuck up on everybody but it's the nba draft and wow case and wallace case and wallace should hear his name called in the lottery even though these past couple of years for kentucky have been kind of he uh you know put together a good year and he, he did it around some back spasms and missed some time and no. um you know coming in where Oscar's already there. He's a quiet guy. You could see he didn't want to just try to fight and, you know, try to be the man. He just kind of tried to fit in and kind of lay low. But there were some games where he took over, you know, that the Tennessee game. Uh, that was a big game for him. And defensively, he came in known as a, you know, good defensive player, a football player, a good basketball player as well. But I'm going to remember a lot of those kind of chase down blocks guys thinking they could sneak a layup by him on the break and he would come by and erase it. And that's your point guard. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody sees LeBron chase all these guys down. That's LeBron. This is a six, three, six, four point guard that you thinking you can, Oh, I got him. And he erased a lot of shots in his one season at Kentucky. So I'm, I'm gonna remember those case and Wallace chase down blocks. And I think he, you know, Whoever he goes to, he's, he's you know, he's going to blossom. He's, he's young. I think, you know, you see Maxian quickly and Fox and all these guards, Tyler Hero when he's healthy, doing everything they're doing. I think he can be another one that, that goes yeah. and, and starts to do big things mm-hmm. in the NBA. Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder. Uh, you're exactly right. I think, um, you know, not to I, – I, I guess just putting it bluntly, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to – you're going to be really happy for, but he's going to frustrate you because he's going to be so good in the NBA and you're going to be like, man, there could have been even more here with him. Uh, it's going to be one of those where the meat got left on the bone with what he could have been in college. I think he's going to be like a Tyrese Maxey type. I think he's going to have, a, assuming he can, you know, control the back spasm, he stays healthy. Uh, I think the future is really bright from him. I mean, we saw that Kansas State game. If they had won that game, the story would have been, that's the case in Wallace we yes. were waiting for all year long because yeah. he was outside of Noel. I think he was the second best player in the court in that game, you know, mm-hmm. with Shibway and then uh, Keith Keontae Johnson, how he played down the stretch. So, um, you know, case in, in a great kid and the chase down blocks was something he talked about being a big part of his game. I remember when we talked to him in, I think, July or June, and he went out and did exactly that, you know, a lot. So, you know, I think he's got a great future ahead of him. And I think, you know, the way things are trending, you know, Chris and Oscar should hear their names called in the second round, which, you know, it would be great for those guys. I mean, if Chris does end up getting drafted, I think that'll erase any hard feelings and, you know, you'll respect the decision he made. And with Oscar, I think everyone's just rooting for him. I, again, I don't think there's any animosity toward him leaving, you know, maybe if he's not going to be a sure draft pick or anything, I think everyone will be really happy if he does get his name called, you know, at the end of tomorrow night. So, um, you know, three good kids who I'm all happy for. And, uh, you know, uh, Kaysen's going to be a stud, I think, if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. So, too. What was it like to cover? Because I knew he's really quiet. So how, yeah. you know, what was it like as far as your interactions <laughs> or interviews or question and answer sessions with him? 
it almost felt like you were kind of interviewing a pro because he was so beyond his years. Like you could tell he had a really good, uh, really high basketball IQ, really high IQ period, but he was all business, man. I mean, he, you talk about wanting guys who take accountability. If he screwed up, he would take that accountability. He'd be brief. You know, he's not going to guy who's going to say that much. He knows what to say and not to, but um, yeah, he was accountable and he, he took what he was doing very, very seriously. You know, obviously the back injuries really bugged him. He wanted to be out there. So uh, he was a really, you know, he was a really good guy, just professional. He kind of felt like you were, like I said, kind of around a pro. I mean, other guys like kind of reminds me of trying to think of someone who's kind of like that, that I covered. I'd kind of say almost like quickly, maybe not as bubbly as quickly. I think quickly had some more personal <laughs> moments, but kind of like that where you could you just knew they were going to be a pro one day or even how Nick Richards was his junior year uh, guys that you could just tell were locked in and PJ Washington his sophomore year that they had a mission and they were going to go out and, and do it. And you kind of sense that coming off of him so, uh, with other guys, whether you know, you don't you don't get that with every guy. It just like I said, it, it felt like you were in a, interviewing an NBA player. As a Rockets fan, I know he's from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Selfishly, I hope he doesn't go back to the hometown Mavs. Be, me being they're they're at 11, 11, 10. I, I know the Knicks had their pick, but it was top ten protected, so they must have been ten. Yeah. So anywhere but the. The hometown match. There you go. From from my vantage point. Yeah, I think I think it. Brought, I'm seeing a lot of 15s to Atlanta, and I saw that there was a, the Hawks posted an interview with him today. So yeah, maybe some <laughs> maybe some foreshadowing. Who knows? But and I can see. I'd love that fit. Is Trey Young? I mean, are they trying to move him? What's going that's what on? I'm saying. Yeah, so it, it could. It seems like that thing might. You know, the year they had was super disappointing. So. Maybe th- that thing ran its course in in, a, in the ATL there, and uh, Casey will take over. Who knows? And this doesn't seem like he's that endeared by his teammates, Trey Young. As no. far you know, they don't really, you know, people don't no. really, you know, he gets knocked and, and down. They don't. They you might know, just, you go. You run help your teammates up. That kind of yeah. camaraderie, brotherhood stuff. He's kind of a loner type and don't really yeah, they might end up. up blowing things up down there. You know, obviously, it feels like John Collins is in trade rumors every year. Um, who's the other Clint Capella? I saw his name was floated around already, like a bunch of trades going into tomorrow. So, you know, I don't love that Atlanta team for what happened that Nick series a couple of years ago. Uh, so I wouldn't mind if uh, it gets blown up. <laughs> I mean, they they're during that purgatory, Atlanta is good enough to beat a seven eight seed and get bounced, yeah. They're, they're not bad enough to tank, not good enough to yeah. really contend. I think they finished exactly 500. Yeah, they just kind of hover. They're mid. You're going to be, <laughs> <laughs> be this, you're gonna get this 41 and 41, occasional yeah. 43 and 39, and, you know, they'll get to play in game or they'll, they'll get bounced in the first. That's, that's, they've, been, they've been that for years. Yes. It's just perpetual mediocrity, yeah, man. They were the one seed. I don't know if it was once or twice, but there was one of the LeBron Miami years where I know Atlanta got the one, and I think they ended up playing in the uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and obviously Miami won. But yeah, no, it's yeah. never. They've never gotten over the hump, which sucks because uh, yeah. you know I know when they're really good, that fan base is out there supporting. Um, obviously, a ton of great basketball players have come from the city of Atlanta and just the state of Georgia in general. So you know, hopefully, uh. I don't wish any will, ill will in that franchise. I just wish <laughs> ill will in that one 2020 Hawk team. That's all. <laughs> I got you. I got <laughs> you. Well, fellas, it's fun episode. Fun having you back, AG. Appreciate that. y'all both had some good vacations over these past few weeks. And everybody go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, follow Believe Network on Twitter, Believe Sports, and tune in partnered up with westwood one all kind of big stuff coming down the pipe so we appreciate bringing you the episodes and appreciate y'all taking the time to check them out and we'll do the same thing next week and look who knows we'll have we have a lot more stuff to talk about 29 in and didn't think we have a lot to talk about today and boom 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 so we'll see what's happening next week and gonna have exhibition basketball games coming up and you know all kind of stuff and hey man and you, good for those red, the reds fans who listen to this by the oh, way oh I gotta give them a, oh, gotta give yeah. them credit man they're the hey. they're, 
I think your Braves will end that winning streak, you know, this weekend. We got to shut that down this weekend because these Reds fans is these Reds fans are chirping. They're chirping, but you know what? When did when did they get to chirp? Right, I I was around in 1990 when they were able to chirp as champs. So, uh, you know, so no, eleven in a row. That that I will say, I've only been back. You know, I flew to Cincinnati. You know, out of there cheaper usually, and uh, I haven't seen as much red gear. You know, around the city of Cincinnati since I've been here these six years. So uh, it was kind of cool to see that. You know, I when I was there just a month ago, man, for the Yankee series and the Yankees. You know, kick their ass pretty much just a sweep. Uh, yeah. It was like Yankee Stadium North, but I think if that series was, <laughs> or I should say Midwest, but uh, yeah. if that series was played now, it, it'd be pretty close. And uh, it's really cool to see what they're doing and with a lot of young players too. I texted uh, Paul Yonish because we just had him on about opening day. And I said, you know, I need to get you back on here. And him and Chris Dickerson, you know, both play for Cincinnati. Yeah. So, Gonna try to get both of those guys on here again. Talk a little red since you know you gotta you gotta give them credit because they are Absolutely. rolling right now, and so uh, he's gonna try to see if they can come on and, and talk a little baseball with us because yeah. the Reds are like it or not pretty much the official MLB team of Kentucky. No, it's not Reds about fans it. Here. You get a few Cardinals fans here and there, a few Braves fans, but the Reds are yeah. pretty much Kentucky's team. I'd say and, Reds, Braves. Mix of Cardinals, Yankees, Cubs. That's probably mm-hmm. yeah. Afterwards. Yeah, and so um, I, had, I had one more thought, but yeah, you know the Reds, the Braves, yeah. and um, St. Louis and Chicago Cubbies. Not the White Sox. I've never met a White Sox fan here. No, no <laughs> so but yeah, I had one more. Whatever I said, it just slipped my mind. But yeah, good stuff. I'm trying to get some guys on here to talk about them. And hopefully the Braves starting Friday can kind of calm all this rest stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> but fellas, man, enjoyed it, man. Jalen, Aaron, appreciate y'all each week. And uh, before to bring these episodes to everybody, hope you enjoy them and check them out. And we'll catch everybody again for the upcoming episode of Believe in Kentucky. Everybody be cool. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube